0: You are now tuned into The Lunch Break Pie, where true sales pros go to tell their stories. This is episode 34 of The Lunch Break podcast where true sales pros go to tell their stories. My name is James Bodden and today's guest for episode 34 is Matthew Gardner, sales development manager at Citrix. Matthew comes on the Lunch Break podcast to share his journey from starting out in sales to sales leadership, the struggles that he had, uh, as an individual contributor, and then how he used those experiences to help him become a better leader. Also, Matthew talks about a very important part of being a sales leader, and that is servant leadership. It's something that he's passionate about, and it's obvious through our conversation. So, it is an absolutely fabulous conversation that I had with Matthew, but I understand if you don't have time to listen to the entire episode right now, I am gonna serve up a snack break sales tip from Matthew Gardner. Check it out.
1: So it's just a way of thinking about sales and understanding uh, what the role of, of a cold call is going to be into, you know whether you call it cold call, white space prospecting, whatever. It's understanding what those calls turn into and and how you should be stack ranking and and managing your time throughout the day. And this is from Jeb Blount's Fanatical Prospecting, uh, adapted from that, where the point of a cold call, if you have it in your head that you are going to be booking meetings on all of these cold calls, then you should really change the way you think about that because it's great when you book meetings from cold calls, but chances are you're not getting that decision maker on the phone. You're not getting that business owner on the phone. And so you need to be enlisting the help of whomever it is that you did get on the phone to figure out when that person is going to be in the office. And, you know, it's not being shady. It's just being honest and upfront. This is what I want to talk to them about. When are they going to be around? Suggest a time. They're going to be in around two o'clock this afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. And so now this cold call has become just slightly more qualified your goal should always just be first and foremost, just getting to the decision maker, getting to the person that's worth having the conversation with. So now that we've taken cold calls, we're trying to turn them into those calls where we're more likely to get that decision maker on the phone. And then once you get that decision maker on the phone, then you can have that conversation. And managing your time around that, spending about two thirds of your time just prospecting into those white space accounts, not always with the intent of booking a meeting, I did, but most of my meetings would come from the follow-ups that I would create from myself from enlisting the help of that gatekeeper by simply saying, hey, you know, he or she might not be the only one I can talk to. Could you help me out? Of course, it's not their job to ruin a salesperson's day. It's their job to help. You just have to ask. You just have to ask. They'll say yes. And then, you know, they will probably say, actually, you know what, Sarah, she is the one you need to talk to. Well, that's awesome. But now you're their friend. Now they're on your side, right? Is mm-hmm. Sarah going to be in around two o'clock this afternoon? Well, let me check my calendar. Let me check her calendar. Well, she'll be in around 3.30. Okay, awesome. I'll call her then. And what was your name? Hey, thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Yeah. It, there it, you go.
0: No, yeah. And that is literally something that you could go back to your desk and, and use because it's a mindset shift. A great actionable snack break sales tip from Matthew Gardner. So, if you have to get back to your desk, I completely understand. Listen to the rest of the episode when you can, but for everybody who's got some time and can stick with me here, let's get episode 34 of the Lunch Break Podcast kicked off with Matthew Gardner. Here we go. All right, folks, welcome to episode number 34 of the Lunch Break Podcast. I am really excited about my guest today, Matthew Gardner. He is a sales development leader and coach at Citrix. We connected on LinkedIn. I've been loving the content that he puts out, uh, the interaction that he has within the sales community on LinkedIn is awesome, and just really excited to, to dig in today. So, Matthew, Thanks so much for taking the time and coming on the show.
1: Thanks, James. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited.
0: Awesome. So let's dive right into this thing. Uh, How did you get started in sales?
1: So I think like most people that found themselves in an entry-level SDR position, you just sort of fell into it. I, I didn't go to school thinking that I was going to get into sales, but I got lucky and my goal in going to school was just to get out in four years and I realized that I had this knack for communication. I went to NC State, took a public speaking class first semester, and the professor pulled me out after class. He said, hey, you're, you're good at this, so you, know, you should look at communication as a degree. And I thought, sure, I'll do that. There it is, yeah. Got that's me all out you of, need. That's all you need. So it got me out of school in four years, and at least I knew walking out of that with that degree, I could interview well. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents would ask me, Hey, wh- what are you going to do with this degree? I was, well, I'm going to know how to interview. <laughs> That's and, a great answer. And it, it's so funny, because it's, I forgot that so, uh, so quickly, I forgot everything that I learned. Because, of course, when I, le- when I left school, uh, I moved back in with my parents, like a lot of people in, in my age group, and I was working part time in retail. And I suddenly realized that this wasn't really what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. And mm-hmm. I, went to NC State, like I said, would get the emails about their career fairs. So I went to one, handed out my resume to a couple of people. There was a little trophy sitting on a little desk back in one of the corners for Citrix, best place to work in the triangle in 2013. I thought that's pretty cool. So yeah. I handed out my resume too. Um, but I didn't remember doing my research on them. Uh, they were a total um, non-entity to me at that time. Never heard of them. Yeah. And the other companies I had in my resume too, you know, big staffing companies, Lenovo was one of them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I went into those interviews and like I said, forgot everything that I had learned in school, right? I tried to imagine the type of person they wanted to hire and then pretend to be that person in the interview. Got and, it. And, and all of the interviews leading up to my one at Citrix, I didn't even get a call back. I didn't even get a thanks, but no thanks. It was just a, this guy Frick did it. so poorly that we're just gonna let him fade off and he'll figure <laughs> it. They, they ghosted me. Yeah, so yeah. When I came in and I interviewed at Citrix, I, I just sort of had this moment where I came into the building. I was interviewing with 16 other people at the time. It was a full day interview process. We were mm-hmm. gonna be on the phones. We were gonna talk to four managers. And one of the first things they did is they said, raise your hand if you already know somebody that works here. And I kid you not, all 15 other people in that interview raised their hands. I was the only one that kept my wow. hand down. Wow! And I'm like, "Yo, Uh-oh. this is, this is, <laughs> is going to be tough. This is going to be interesting. But all these people are really, really cool. This place seems like some place that, like me, not the person I was going to pretend to be, but the person that I actually was would really enjoy working. Yeah. So when... I was asked that infamous interview question about, you know, tell us about a time when you had to do something that you didn't want to do, right? Those sort of lame, out-of-the-box, yes. um, you know, behavioral-based interview questions. And I run a lot of the interviewing here at Citrix now, so we, we don't ask that type of question, those <laughs> type of questions like that. But you think about all the, oh, I did an all-nighter in college or had to work really hard in a, in a group assignment. No, I told the true story of a time when I was working at a Boy Scout summer camp, um, and somebody had really made a mess in one of the men's bathrooms. Oh, and God. I was the dir- I was the director of logistics, and I had a staff that I could have asked to to do that job. But as a leader, it's it's your job to do the things that um, really nobody else wants to do, right? It's your job to to lead from the front, and lead by example. So. I told the story of a time where I used an entire gallon of bleach had to throw away my clothes and all those things. And as I'm telling the story, I'm thinking to myself, this, you're ruining this, you're blowing (laughs) this. There's, this is the most unprofessional thing that has ever come out of your mouth and you're doing it in an interview where you really want the job. So I, i so yeah, that's the, that's the worst (laughs) thing that I've ever done, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I, I kid you not, James, her second question was, when can you start? Wow. And for me, I, I'm still riding that wave of confidence. Yeah. Because, you know, living with my parents, check engine light, when turn off, ghosted by two previous interviews, I mm. was dealing with a lot of self-doubt. And when that was the next thing out of her mouth, it totally blew me away. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and really, I mean, I, I'd had my plan. I'd walked in there, you know, all those answers you prepare for. Um, And then just went totally off script and just was myself and was totally natural and just sort of let that shine through. And that was what they were looking for. And I think that a lot of salespeople or or just a lot of people in general, they they try to approach and pray for interviews in the same way. And especially in sales, you're not doing yourself any favors. Some of the advice I give people, if I'm looking at a resume and I've done my research on them and I notice they don't have sales experiences, I tell them, that story basically, and and just try to reassure them that, you know, I'm looking to try to talk to you, right? Mm -hmm. The first answer that comes to mind more often than not is the right answer. Yeah. And on top of that, you know, you should be interviewing us right now, right? Sales is a very difficult job and there's much easier roles out there to make the type of money that you make as an entry-level SDR. So don't lie your way into a job that you are having to pretend to be something that you're not to earn it. Because you get there, you're, you're going to hate it. Yeah, There's- it's not going to be worth it. Not at all. Not at all. There's much easier roles out there to make the type of money that I know I was making. And I'm sure a lot of the listeners and you are aware what an entry level yeah. s- makes.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: you can make that kind of money doing other things. Something mm-hmm. that you'll probably be more more happy with. And that's helped us really make sure that. You know the people that are agreeing to join the organization are agreeing to join it knowing that, yeah, they want me for who I am. They don't want me to be, this other sort of weird salesy buzzword pitching, uh, <laughs> robot. They want me to just be me.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's really powerful. And and what a, what a revelation to have as you're going through this phase in your life where you feel like you need to. Pretend to be somebody else because your self-confidence and who you really were was just so low that the moment and, and it's funny because it's almost like you couldn't help yourself but be genuine and, right. and tell that story. Um and, and thank God, right? Absolutely. <laughs> like thank God that that you had that breakthrough. And I think a lot of people, especially in our age group, the millennial age group, you are, you know, entering into the workforce. And, and just the climate, the economy, the timing, the opportunities, all of that, the the crushing debt, <laughs> you know, all of that yeah. can really um, start you off on a pretty negative foot in your career. You know, it's not this bright, shiny thing where, oh, you know, now I'm done with college and I've got, you know, all of these things that I can go do. I mean, for some people, Sure right? They've got it all figured out. And I knew people like that too. From the time we were in seventh grade, they had this whole thing figured out and they did it and they, and they're now doctors. Right. And, and I literally know people like that and they never had that issue. But one of the things that I love about sales is that I feel like sales is a magnet for the people who feel lost. The misfits. Yeah. It's like the land of misfit toys.
1: Exactly.
0: It's, um, and i think i've probably said that like 7 times on these podcasts because it's the tr- it's the truth everybody's story of how they found sales is always completely different but it's always that kind of thing i was kind of i was in this position where i needed to make money or i needed a boost in confidence or i knew i i needed to do something in order to just get out of this rut and what what i think is so awesome about what you've shared is that you took that chance you're sitting there everybody else raises their hand and says they know somebody there you go in and you have this moment where you're just incredibly honest and you share this story which by the way i would say the exact same thing to you after you share a story like that like yeah let's get this guy in here if he's willing to do that right and and, um i think that just speaks to following your gut and, and action over anything else you finally got to the point where you were like, you know what? I'm working part time. Cause I'm very similar, right? I was part time at Radio Shack for a while and it's like, you're kind of floating and it's like, well, I've done a little bit. Like I'm not completely a loser. Uh, I have, you know, I'm doing a little something, but I know I need to do more. And then sales, you know, finding a sales role, especially at an organization like Citrix. I mean, how fortunate, right? Because now you've, gotten into this situation where you're hired based on your own merit. You don't have to worry about acting like somebody you're not, uh, which to your point is going to wear thin very quickly. Even if you manage to get in somewhere by pretending to be Johnny sunshine, you know, that's gonna, that's gonna go away real quick, whether it's from just getting beaten down by the actual job and realizing what have I done to myself or, you know, uh, those personality traits you tried to hide eventually coming out. Um, I think for, for everybody listening, it's, it's just a really great lesson because you can kind of go through all of that and then find uh, an opportunity and be given an opportunity and then take it and run with it, which is exactly what it seems like you've done. So I'd love to learn about kind of from that moment, and you said you're kind of still riding that wave of confidence. Yeah. You know, if I look at what you've done on LinkedIn, just at Citrix, I mean, you've grown so much, right? And, and uh, so talk to us about that journey.
1: Yeah, I mean, it definitely didn't start off uh, as smoothly as, as I would have liked it to have because while I got the interview being myself, as soon as I got on the phones, I started having those same moments of self-doubt. And I started mm-hmm. trying to overthink and, and a lot of people do this. And, and I hear it all the time where I'd say the most common example that I see as a coach is somebody, uh, you know, somebody fresh out of college will say, we'll circle back and touch base. <laughs>
0: that's, not, <laughs> yeah.
1: that's, that's not what you would say, right? Just say, that them, just say that you'll call them back because that's, that's natural. That's, that's who yeah. you actually are when people say those sorts of things, right, that are fresh out of college and, you know, there's a time and a place to say, you use those types of words, but sure. when you are, are at that point in your career, one of the worst things that you can do, and it's exactly what I did was, I tried to pretend to be this big, fancy business professional that I was not. Mm-hmm. And so I would have these very long-winded pitches and, and all of my natural curiosity was just thrown out the window. And I would hesitate, you know, you always have that gut feeling somebody says something and and there's that first thing that you want to say. And as a a salesperson, what I've found and what I try to coach people to is that about 80% of the time, that first gut reaction of what you're going to say is the perfect thing to say. Mm-hmm. That extra, that extra twenty percent is going to be you getting emotional and saying, "I can't." What, what, what is this person saying? How, how do they not see that this would help them out? Yeah. Should push that to the side, but you know, I would get an objection and I would just freeze in my head or in my heart. I would know exactly what I wanted to say, but I would be worried that that wasn't what they wanted to hear, or I would mm-hmm. be worried that uh, it was going to lose the sale right i was i was afraid of getting no and i had all of these formulas and things that i was going to try to fit myself into to just make it work i totally went away from everything that i had done but it's funny how that happens it's funny how that happens but but i realized really quickly that i was struggling and I'd, i'd always been pretty decent at most of the things that i had ever tried i think that's another uh, thing that a lot of people in our age group struggle with. You know, it's the didn't have to work that hard in high school. Yeah. You know, Wikipedia came out right as we were getting into it. So, you know, a lot of the curriculums didn't adapt. So, yeah, you know, no. You never really had to, to uh, or you just naturally are gifted. There's a lot of people that are naturally intelligent, but that'll only get you so far. And you find yourself in a career like sales where you have to put yourself outside of your comfort zone, where you really have to apply yourself in a way that you have never applied yourself before I realized this was that moment for me because I was in at Citrix right there was a lot of people out of that 16 they didn't hire 16 there was only maybe two or three people there from that same day so I was like okay I've made it this far this is the best chance that I'm that I have right now likely that I'll ever have yeah Uh, at really making something of myself, at getting out of my parents' house, at getting the apartment, at getting that check engine light turned off. So the saying goes, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. So I made sure I was the squeaky wheel. I wasn't booking as many meetings. I was actually booking far fewer meetings than most of the, than, than anybody uh, on my team. But there was one metric that I consistently led the team on and it was hustle. It was just grit. It was the the sheer determination and the understanding that I I was going to have to work way, way harder than everybody else to, to figure it out. And I look back at that time in my career. And I'm so thankful that I had to learn how to just sit down and focus and make the calls before I learned how to make good calls or to make really effective calls because eventually it caught up. I, I, I sat down with my managers. I put time on their calendar. We listened to calls. We reviewed my KPIs, and we just took the call from you know talking with a gatekeeper and getting past that gatekeeper to the pitch, my qualifying questions, how I was rolling to close and 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 eventually it, it clicked for me right there was one day it was a Wednesday where I made two hundred and thirty two calls and that's and, and didn't book a single meeting and up to this point I, I had maybe one meeting a day there was one day I think it was the Monday. Uh, where I had two. And I thought, Ooh, I'm getting this now, right? Yeah. yeah. Wednesday came around zero in 232 calls and a guy came in with me. I asked him the next day. Uh, he was a senior. Um, he was a senior um, member of the team. And I said, Hey man, Brad, can you please just listen to me? I'm dying. I can't have another day like yesterday. They asked me to go home. They said, Matt, you're just, you're killing yourself. You need to leave. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Wow. So, yeah. Next, I went home, pet my dog, promised my dog I'd never have a day like that again, and so I came in and said, "Brad, can you sit in with me?" So I get on the phone, and I'm making these calls with Brad, and this is after I'd already done all this stuff with my pitch and working, and, and it was really streamlined. It was tight, right? And I kept getting the feedback, "You're saying all the right things. You're saying all the right things," and that was so frustrating to me because if I'm saying all the right things, why am I not why getting isn't it?
0: Yeah, I why hate, am I not I getting these meetings?
1: <laughs> and yeah. So, so I clip in with Brad and this, we had these uh, analog splitters where literally it was a switch that you would flick back and forth.
0: Oh yeah, and, yep.
1: And yep, so, so I get the person on the phone, I, I get through to the business owner and I pitch her with my, with my pitch and I ask my first question. I, I just ask her what her process is right now. And as she's answering without me noticing, Brad switches it over to him And I I start to respond, but I hear Brad responding behind me. And I sort of look at him and I'm like, what the hell? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so he he actually set a meeting on that call and I was pissed. I was so angry. And I said, Brad, I would have booked that man. He's like, no, you would not have. I said, what do you mean? I said, all those questions are the things that I was going to ask. He said, you sounded so bored on that call. There was no way you were going to set that meeting. Mm. right? And he said on the call before that, you were the opposite end of the spectrum. You were over the top, really, really salesy. You know, you, you're all over the place. He said, Matt, you need to try this. You need to match their energy and add 10%. And that's a really, I really abstract piece of advice. And I, and I, and I, <laughs> I explain that a lot of different ways, but you know, if they're coming to the call with a five, you're a six max, right? Yep. If they're yep. a t- you got to somehow figure out a way to get to a three. But yeah. if, were, if they're a five and you're a 10. Not going to work. People like to be sold and, and people like to talk to people that are like them. And when you're doing inside sales and when you're over the phone, we don't have the body language aspect. They don't see that we're, you know, really trying to help them out. They just hear us on the phones and your tone, your energy is so, so valuable as a, yeah. as a complete part of that message. And so I, I heard him say that and I'm like, hey, wow, that's a really good point. I'm going to start trying that. Yeah. And so through, through the rest of the day, I set two more meetings. So that was my best day. I um, love it. Yeah. With that too. And then the day after that, they they took the whole group aside and they said, okay, today we're going to start calling into some accounts that we had set up meetings with the past, but they didn't have uh, any next steps. Right. So this is basically basically just a list of closed lost deals or deals where they showed up or they didn't show up. Right. But they had engaged with us in the past. And they said, we expect you guys to, to maybe book a few more demos, but really just approach these calls the same way as you would anything else. Uh, and I booked 14. Woo. So, so two days after I had had the worst day of my career, that little piece of advice, right? That just went a little bit deeper. You're saying all the right things. Well, that may be true, but it's how you're saying it that's so valuable and so important and just something. Yeah, that that's a good made, point, yeah. Something that I needed to hear because, it changed my life. That one piece of advice, that one moment where I reached out to Brad and asked him and I I've talked to him every time I see him, I say, thank you for that moment. And he just, he knows what I'm talking about, but that had such an impact on my career and just reaffirmed the whole process that I was being coached on reaffirmed my confidence in what I was doing and just completely accelerated and changed my career for the better. Yeah. I mean, how, how, how powerful because I think
0: we've all been there where we've gone through that training we've sat with our manager we we have it down and we're getting told oh you're saying all the right things everything sounds perfect but I think that tonality piece and that energy piece for some people I've noticed it comes naturally like they can't help but do that and they do it all the time throughout their whole day and it's just like inherently the way they operate so they they get it but they don't know they get it if you ask them do you think about your no it's just i just talk to people and it's just natural right mm -hmm. then there's the set of people who are just completely unaware completely unaware that they sound like they're asleep on the phone and you know they sound just like a piece of cardboard you know and 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 i've had conversations with reps and been in the rep seat myself where it's like your personality is so not the person that you are on the phone. Who are you becoming here? You're using all these fancy buzzwords, you know, I'll circle back, you know, touch base, um, you know, all of those things. And yeah, I think it for a lot of people as they get into sales, maybe coming off of an experience where they need a little bit of a, confidence boost or you know whatever it is you get to your desk and you have these things that you need to do and these calls you need to make and you're out there doing it when in reality if you were to listen back to yourself it's like god this doesn't even sound like me you know it doesn't even sound like me Um, in my head I think I sound so much better (laughs) you know and and I love that piece of advice that he gave you because it is absolutely the truth as if if you can get that skill down, you're going to have monumental success on the phone because then you're able to, you know, then the conversation goes the way that it needs to go essentially is the way that I look at it. Because, you know, if you got somebody that's really hostile, like it's funny, I have a guy um, just started cold calling in the last couple of weeks. And one of the things that he wants to talk about in his one-on-one this week is, how to combat that hostile energy. Like when somebody gets on the phone and they're just pissed, they're pissed that you called, they picked it up. They thought it was a coworker. They're in the middle of a meeting, whatever. How do you, you know, match that? And how do you deal with that? And and so I, it makes complete sense why you two days after you had the worst day, you had that 14 meeting day, because it was like the last piece of the puzzle that needed to get, place down for you to feel like it clicked and and so now you've reached the point where okay wow I've, I've kind of put all the pieces together when did you realize that that leadership I mean I think from the story that you told it sounds like leadership has always been something that that's been important to you but when did you decide and realize that it was you know you wanted to take that next step and and get out of the individual contributor role and into a coaching and leadership role?
1: When, when I first got into sales, I, I didn't really know the money that I was going to make. So they they had us write out a uh, basically a mantra when we first started of why we were there. And I still have what I wrote on that day one. And it was basically that I wanted to get into sales to help other people be more successful at what they were doing. Hmm. Because I hadn't, I had no concept of the money. And that sounds really, really cheesy because you know, sales is an industry where you make money. And a lot of people say, if you say you're just in it to help people, you're full of it. And obviously, the money is great. But I had no idea what type of money I could make. I was part time in retail. Yeah, those types of paychecks just seemed foreign to me. That's what sports players make. But the long and short of how I got into management was, I really liked going back and seeing which one of my accounts were still using the tools. And I liked being able to see that impact that I was having. But started to become something where I was leading trainings for people on the team, and I got real fulfillment out of seeing them implementing the things that I was talking about. Mm -hmm. And so I just was doing that as a rep and became a team lead. And then sort of naturally, when the position opened up, they just said, hey, can you do this? And I said, absolutely, I'd love to. And I've just been able to continue to do that uh, for the past five years. And it's great. I love being able to have people come up to me months later, years later, and just say, hey, I just wanted to say thanks. I still use everything we talk about almost every single day when I get on the phones.
0: Yeah. Well, you're able to give uh, other people that mic moment that you had, right? Where, where, you know, you knew it was important to your career, that small piece of advice. And, you know, it was probably in passing for him. Like, yeah. Just, yeah, you just need to do this. It's so obvious. You know, it's like so, it's yeah. so silly when, once you've gotten there. Um, and y- you've, you've highlighted something very important. That I think in this world of, I wanna get promoted. I don't wanna be in STR forever. I wanna be in, mani- you know, whatever it is, that mindset that a lot of people seem to have that's racing for that promotion, racing to get out of, you know, running a desk. Um, you just, a lot of the times, just have to start doing it because you like to do it. Right. Like you did, right? Yeah. You just kind of have to say, hey, like, it's Friday afternoon we're all sitting around. We're not really doing anything. Let's get together. And I want to, you know, share some of these things that have been working for me. I mean, again, it's almost back to your interview with Citrix. Like you couldn't help yourself, but, but just let that kind of desire to lead other people and, and um, just share best practices. I think that's the most admirable thing that you can do for your teammates, right? Like this is what's been working for me. Try it out. And then to know, okay, wow, okay, I really get fulfillment out of this. I mean, and that's how it happened for me too, completely the same way. It was just like, all right, well, sitting around, let's just uh, do some role plays. And you just kind of fall into it and you uh, you get exposed to it. And then it's like the ultimate, because I feel like a lot of people like sales because it's one of those things where you can put some effort into it, and then at the end of it, you see some sort of result. It's like cutting grass right It's like you start and when you're done, it looks great, and you can see you know the fruits of your labor right um, and that's like ultimate when you're a leader because it's you're changing somebody's life i was I had somebody on the podcast yesterday, and he said the moment that he knew sales was the profession for him is the first time that he you know was a coach and, and leading somebody and they came into work by bus. And then in a year they came into work driving their own car. And then in a year they left work and instead of going to their apartment, they went to their new home. You know I mean? It, so it, it's, it's life changing and you're, you're able to especially SDR leadership because you're taking these people that are in, in situations that we were in feeling confused, feeling a little bit lost and not really knowing what the hell they want to do in life. And you're at least giving them this introduction to to kind of business as a whole, because as an SDR, I think one of the great things is that you you sit at a point in an organization most of the time where you're able to see a lot of different things, learn about a lot of different functions within a business, and then hopefully go out and learn about your prospects business and everything that's involved with that, right, and get that entire kind of education, which is going to be valuable for you. So talk about what that's like for you, now that you're in a position where you're bringing folks in, you know, how fulfilling is that to be, uh, you know, a leader of these folks just starting their sales career?
1: It's extremely fulfilling. Uh, I remember how it was for me, living with my parents, check engine light, all of that. And how much of a transformative experience it was for me. I I consider it my biggest responsibility is to try to have other people have that same experience and, and empower them to experience the same life-changing success that I did. Um, it's 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 humbling. It's it's why I've chosen to do the SDR management for five years because. I get so much fulfillment out of taking somebody with absolutely no sales experience and turning them into one of the top salespeople on the floor. And I'll never get tired of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably one of those things that you can continue to rinse and repeat for years to come. Right. And, and, because it's always going to be different. Everybody's got a different story. Everybody's got to, you know, struggle with a different set of skills and, and, be great at some things and be horrible at other things. So there's that that molding process is always just so you know wonderfully unique every time. Um, and and so I can imagine that you probably have a plethora of these, but uh, because you work with frontline sales reps every day. But for the folks that are gonna go back to their desk after they listen to this podcast, what is a sales tip that they can use immediately when they get done listening? What do you got?
1: So it's just a way of thinking about sales and understanding uh, what the role of, of a cold call is going to be into, you know whether you call it cold call, white space prospecting, whatever. It's understanding what those calls turn into and, and how you should be stack ranking and, and managing your time throughout the day. And this is from Jeb Blount's Fanatical Prospecting, uh, adapted from that, where the point of a cold call If you have it in your head that you are going to be booking meetings on all of these cold calls, then you should really change the way you think about that because it's great when you book meetings from cold calls, but chances are you're not getting that decision maker on the phone. You're not getting that business owner on the phone. And so you need to be enlisting the help of whomever it is that you did get on the phone to figure out when that person is going to be in the office. And you know, it's not being shady. It's just being honest and upfront. This is what I want to talk to them about. When are they going to be around? Suggest a time. They're going to be in around two o'clock this afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. And so now this cold call has become just slightly more qualified. Your goal should always just be first and foremost, just getting to the decision maker, getting to the person that's worth having the conversation with. So now that we've taken cold calls, we're trying to turn them into those calls where we're more likely to get that decision maker on the phone. And then once you get that decision maker on the phone, then you can have that conversation. And managing your time around that, spending about two thirds of your time just prospecting into those white space accounts, not always with the intent of booking a meeting. I did, but most of my meetings would come from the follow-ups that I would create from myself from enlisting the help of that gatekeeper by simply saying, hey, you know, he or she might not be the only one I can talk to. Could you help me out? Of course, it's not their job to ruin a salesperson's day. It's their no. job to help. You just have to ask. You just have to ask. They'll say yes. And then, you know, they will probably say, actually, you know what, Sarah, she is the one you need to talk to. Well, that's awesome. But now you're their friend. Now they're on your side, right? Mm-hmm. Is Sarah going to be in around two o'clock this afternoon? Well, let me check my calendar. Let me check her calendar. Well, she'll be in around 3.30. Okay, awesome. I'll call her then. And what was your name? Hey, thanks, Mike. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. Any there go. No, yeah, and that is literally something that you could go back to your desk and and use because it's a mindset shift. It's just a, a switch that you can flip and say, I'm gonna stop weighting these outcomes so heavily. Uh, I'm going to stop feeling like crap if I make a bunch of cold calls and don't set a meeting. Because you know what I did find out? I found out that four people at this target account aren't even there anymore, or they've moved into a department. I mean, you know, that's all incredibly valuable information. And and that's your job, you know, to, to find that stuff out. And I love that you have that mindset, because I know that means that that obviously trickles down to the reps that you're coaching and leading, which just fills my heart with happiness because I know that there's one less room of unnecessarily stressed out SDRs in the world because I think that is just one of the biggest things if I could if we could get all the SDR leaders together in one room I would say listen to what he just said because it's you gotta stop tying it oh I gotta get a meeting I gotta get a meeting let me find out what's going on here and use the people that I'm encountering uh, to, to verify the information that I have. You have that kind of mindset. And then it's kind of hard to have a bad day when you're an SDR, you can go out there and crush it and not be, because let's be honest, you know, you have days, weeks, maybe even months of feeling like I've got to set a meeting and that's the only thing that I do that matters. uh, And I'm not setting enough meetings makes for a pretty sad day, you know, a pretty, pretty, and a <laughs> really long day too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I love it. I love it, man. And, and I, I love kind of just the entire way you think about it. The, the biggest thing to me though, is that you've always kept that beginning state in mind. You've always been able to kind of immediately put yourself back to living at my parents' house, working part-time retail, check engine light. And I swear the people that I know that can easily put themselves back to where they were when they started always have the most gratitude about where they are currently because yeah, you know, today I've got to do X, Y, and Z and it may be some tough conversations or I have to make a bunch of cold calls or whatever it is, but it's way better than worrying about, you know, uh, where I'm going to get the next couple of gallons of gas so I can go to these interviews. I mean, you know, I think if anybody's been there, if you can tap into that 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 gratitude is going to carry you through a lot of what a most other people might generally complain about
1: yeah just you know com- take completely for granted right like i said i didn't realize the money i could make getting into sales but having gotten an appreciation for that you know there's that old saying it's people will always say money doesn't buy happiness which is partially true but i really feel like the the person that that came up with that phrase never had to check their bank account before putting <laughs> gas in their tank yeah
0: yeah. That's not happy. You know, yeah. that's, that, that, um, and I've struggled with that too, because I've never been somebody that's overly monetarily motivated. And to be honest with you for the majority, like the first five, six, seven, eight years of my career, I mean, I didn't make a ton of money. I was in, I worked in retail. I started out in, uh, you know, in B2B inside sales. I was not making a lot of money. And it was at a certain point I was like, okay, well, I know that I could go be a district manager in retail and make a bunch of money. I could do that, right? If I and I put in enough time, and I could do that, but I'd be miserable, you know. And so, um, that recognition of like, all right, well, I'm not in it for the money, and I may may not even know about the possibilities of what could be made. I think it. I, I think it's probably more common than we think because let's be honest, there's a bunch of SDRs out there not making a whole lot of money and they're still showing up every day. And yeah. still, I, I, there's my, you know, many more salespeople kind of in that middle part than there are you know, top performers and top earners, just like anything else. And so there's gotta be a love for the process and there's got to be a love for what you're doing outside of that because,
1: absolutely, you
0: know, there's I mean, going to be a good stretch of your career where you're not making a lot of money. You know, one of the things
1: I I've, I've told my team in the past is, you know, you're worth more than your, your attainment percentage to quota.
0: Mm. You're, yes. you're,
1: you're, like your value to this organization is not based off of, you know, whether you hit a hundred, 150 or 0%. Right. It's the fact that you're coming here and you're taking all the steps and you're absorbing the coaching, applying the coaching to get there. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, I relate to that wholeheartedly. I was across every KPI when I started in my first month, the worst SDR on the team. But I pushed past that. I had confidence. I was, I got a lot of that encouragement from the people around me. And I'm very thankful for that. And I remember the impact it had on me. And I try to spread that love, right? Spread that. It's all about the process, uh, having a process, sticking to the process and adapting it here and there, but keep doing those things, so I'm happy with that.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's spot on and spoken from somebody who's done it, right? So I think that's always the best kind of advice to take Is from the person who's actually walked that path. I love it, man. Um, and, and so as we get to the end of the time here, I need to make sure I ask you the same question that I ask every person that comes on the Lunch Break podcast. Where is your favorite place to eat lunch?
1: I really enjoy walking up. So we're downtown uh, yep. in the warehouse district. I really enjoy walking uh, up to Glenwood and going over to Plate's Kitchen. Mm. They got a pretty decent lunch menu. They've, they've recently changed their chef, but their soups are pretty killer nice uh their sandwiches spot on as well
0: spot on a little sandwich and soup action i love it yeah that's one of those places that i've never been i've lived in raleigh so long uh and i've lived through the growth stage and now there's a bunch of places that i don't even know about people that move from different parts of the country come here that have been here for a year and tell me the cool new places
1: yeah i've been in i've been in the area for about 25 years yeah it's crazy (laughs) <laughs> yeah. The growth, actually, the growth is wild.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and, um, you know, folks like Citrix have been here and have helped that. Right. I mean, um, I can't think of a salesperson that I don't know that, that I know that has either worked at Citrix or interviewed at Citrix at some point in their career, you know, it's just a kind of a staple in the community and I love that. Um, and, and so glad that they have leadership like you over there, man. Cause, you're leading from uh, a place of, of true experience and it's obvious that you're passionate about what you do and you care about the folks that you lead, which is really all anybody could ask for and somebody that's leading the charge and something as challenging as, as SDR work, right? So um, really grateful for you coming on the show today, man. Thanks so much for sharing all your insight. Uh, be- before I wrap up, I want to make sure that if people want to reach out to you, connect with you, continue to learn from you, how can they do that?
1: Yeah. You can just follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, name's Matthew Gardiner. It's G-A-R-D-I-N-E-R. There's dozens of us, probably all related. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I-N-E-R uh, on LinkedIn. And you can just follow me there, see what I post, engage with me. I'm always happy to debate. I, I know people won't always agree with me 100% of the time, but that's what <laughs> makes it fun. You know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I love it. I love it. Thanks so much again, Matthew, for coming on the show. And with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode of the Lunch Break Podcast. Speak to you guys soon.